Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. This is Reggie Jackson, LA Clippers, and you're listening to The Lob, The Jam, The Podcast. What is up, everyone? Welcome to a new episode of The Lob, The Jam, The Podcast. It's a play-in preview part two, the second Clippers play-in tournament game of this postseason. Not playoffs, postseason. Playoffs start later. Uh, and, and after their loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves on Tuesday and the New Orleans Pelicans win against the San Antonio Spurs on Wednesday. Now we are getting ready for a Friday night do or die win or go home game between the Clippers and Pelicans at crypto.com arena in Los Angeles. If the Clippers win, they will be the eight seed in the Western conference and they will have a quick turnaround to head to Phoenix for game one of the first round in the one eight series. If they lose, they will be done. We won't see them again until October and it will be the Pelicans Moving on. Uh, I'm here, of course, with Robert Flom. How are you doing, Rob? Uh, you know, Lucas, I'm doing well. It's been a long day. I'm just kind of peeved that uh, tomorrow night is the, is the first night of Passover and uh, somehow it's the playing game. So uh, not not ideal timing for me. Not ideal timing. And we are also joined by Pelicans extraordinaire Mason Ginsburg. Mason, how are you doing? Are you sharing this? Are you sharing the concerns? I pre- I'm going to pretend that I, that I knew. Nah, I mean, that, I, <laughs> it, it's, it's funny. My, my, my family as my brother and my parents are all April birthdays. And we literally, we, we pointed out a few months ago, this is like the one year where none of us are hit with Passover. <laughs> so like, cause I'm, I'm the seventh, my brother's the ninth, my dad's the 14th, mom's 24th. So like the only possible window is like very, is in between the 14th and 24th. And somehow this year, that's what happened. So I, I, I did know about two or three months ago when Passover started. But <laughs> thank Robert, thank you for reminding me that it's, that it's tomorrow night. <laughs> tomorrow night with the, with the biggest game of the season, right? Mason right. joins us from Bourbon Street Shots, as well as the In the N.O. pod covering the New Orleans Pelicans, doing great stuff, written word and spoken word. So make sure you check him out. You can also follow him on Twitter at Mason Ginsburg. So Mason, let's get right to it. I mean, the first thing to me, that jumps out on paper, looking at this game, looking at these matchups, is that these are just like two huge teams. And like the Pelicans, I feel like have been, the last few years have had a lot of success against the Clippers with little quick guards. And now it's like, you look and you're like, oh my God, everyone on this team is like 6'11". Like what, how, what is the style of this team? Like how has it changed since, you know, kind of getting CJ McCollum? Yeah, so um, it's a it's an interesting question because the problem when they first traded for CJ was this Devonte Graham CJ backcourt was mm. way too undersized, and you knew it from the start. But Devonte had been starting, um, you know, pretty much throughout the season, and the Pelicans were good with him starting. Um, but he he you know, in, in starting in February, he's just kind of fallen off, and and the Pelicans. Willie Green eventually realized after the All-Star break that, um, or I think maybe even just before the All-Star break, that this is not a, a backcourt starting that can coexist. And he, he pivoted, and Jackson Hayes entered the starting lineup, and this team's been pretty formidable since then. Um, and so, you know, they, they've, they've been going, when, when healthy, they've been going with CJ at the point, which has worked out fantastically offensively for them, along with 
uh, Herb Jones, Brendan Ingram, Jackson Hayes, and Jonas Valanciunas. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a big team. Um, and even their smaller guys, um, it, you know, Devontae Graham notwithstanding, that Jose Alvarado, has, is, he, can, he can defend bigger than his height. And so they are, you know, it's a very, um, you know, and they've got Larry Nance back now as, uh, as well. So it is a very uh, versatile team and, and switchable team, which is, um, you know, what you want to have in the, uh, in the NBA these days. And so, well, they're, they're not elite defensively by any stretch. They're certainly better than some of their parts, especially going into the season, what, what people may have expected. Because, um, yeah, the, obviously we'll talk about Herb Jones. Even Brandon Ingram's taken a huge step up defensively than where he was. He was, he was a, a very much a massive negative in the defense. Uh, Defensively last year, and now he's. I I wouldn't. I don't know if he's saying he's good, but he's definitely he's 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 using his length better, and he's 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 been very you know he's been good on that end. Yeah, and it's it's just easier to play defense as a team when everyone is six eight with long arms. Like <laughs> it's easier to close down passing lanes. It's easier to close out shooters. You can switch way more matchups when you have all those big guys on the court. Uh, I'm I'm interested in Jackson Hayes. I've always liked Jackson Hayes. I've never been I've I've never been anti Jackson Hayes. Him starting at power forward next to Jonas Valanciunas is not something that from afar, I was like, oh yeah, this is something that they could do and it would work out for them. But it, but it has, how has that pairing between Hayes and Valanciunas worked for them? So I think it's become clear that Jackson, his, his best role in this league is not going to be a, a rim protecting Five. I mean, I, it, he hasn't had much success there. He hasn't. He's not big enough to to bang down low with some of the some of the centers in this league. And so, I guess maybe depending on the matchup. Um, so, uh, if Zubats is off the floor, I think that you can mix and match, and, and he can he can be passable in that spot. And he's gotten better to his credit. Defensive rebounding was a big weakness for him, and he's gotten better there. But he's just yeah, he, his athleticism is really helping him, um, you know, be a a, a, a decent fit uh, with the rest of that starting lineup. He, he never he didn't start playing basketball until he was in high school. Um, and so he's, he's very much still learning the game, especially playing at an NBA level. Um, but, but he's been, you know, I, I think he, he, he did have a tough night last night against the Spurs. And I, I do worry a little bit if the, the lights are going to be a little bit too bright for him at this point in his career. And I am curious how the Pelicans maneuver, especially because the Clippers did a good job of just ignoring him completely on, on yeah. the last time they played. And so if that's going to continue to happen, you wonder if you're going to see like Trey Murphy at the four for, for extended stretches, uh, you know, tomorrow night, but uh, regardless, it'll be, I mean, it, it's, it's, there's no denying that his athleticism defensively has been helping with this team. And he's, he's learning uh, under the Pelicans coaching staff, really how, how to defend in space and how to, how to be, be most effective there. Yeah. I mean, I think the Clippers will probably come with the same. They, they did this in this last regular season game against the Pelicans. They did it to great success against the Timberwolves all year and in the play-in game. They lost the game in other areas, but they were very successful with Batum on this scoring versatile center where Valanciunas is not cat, but Batum on cat. And then Zubats on Hayes playing that free safety role where the Clippers Clippers love when they can put Zubats at free safety instead of having which is, to, which is what make, the Pelicans do with Hayes, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, instead of make having him play, uh, have to, to guard that primary action. Yep. Rob, what do you think about that Zubats Hayes matchup? And, you know, if it's something where, where Hayes goes to center, I think he gives the Clippers a lot of problems, but maybe on the, on the defensive end of the court, just the Clippers can give him lots of problems too. If they go away from him, do the Clippers stick with Zubats on Valanciunas? I'm curious to, to see how small Ty Lue goes in this game with his back against the wall. Yeah, I, I do wonder about that. Um, you know, they did miss Zubats um, at times when he was off the court against uh, the Timberwolves in, in the, mm-hmm. the playing game they just lost. I mean, on the other hand, as we've seen over the years, Ty Lue's inclination is almost always to go small. Um, and I think in a do or die, what they're calling a game seven that they just said in practice, it's a game seven for them. Um, I think Ty Lue probably will lean small. I, I wonder if we might not see Isaiah Hartenstein at all, especially if Luke Kennard is is available. Um, and it's just if Zoo isn't playing, it's entirely small ball. But I um, I would have big concerns about trying to guard Valanchunas with small lineups, even though he's not as good as Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, he's maybe more of a bully and more physical than I think Carl Anthony yeah. counts is. Um, like, could the same kind of defense work against him? It, it might, but, uh, you know, it could also cause a lot of issues. It could cause foul problems. And, and Valanciunas is like, you know, he's a good enough passer to, you know, if the, if the Clippers do try to double him, he can make simple reads and, and kick out and stuff. So I, I do think they probably will kind of, I'm not match 
uh, Zoo with Valanchunas because I, I Valanchunas is going to play a ton, and I don't think Zubox is going to play like 38 minutes or anything. But my guess is he will play a lot, but Hartenstein might not play at all, and they'll go small in the other minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the it's, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think the Pelicans may be best served going small for a lot of this too, in the sense, in the sense of only playing one big because you see a lot of minutes with – um, you know, it could be Hayes and, and Nance, or it could be uh, Valentinus and, and Hayes. But I, I think in this game, again, it's going to be a, a big test for rookie head coach Willie Green and figuring out, you know, can is if Jackson Hayes clearly isn't working out at the four, you got to have a quick trigger. You got to pull him. You got you got to you got to do something else. And because I, I, and so the Pelicans close the game uh, against this the the Spurs with Jose Alvarado actually in for Jackson Hayes. So you had Jose, CJ, Herb Jones, BI kind of BI or, or Herb at the four, whatever you want to call it, and then and then balance units. And it worked out. Um and, and I think you might you might see something like that. Um or if they if, you know to combat the the clipper size, maybe you see maybe instead of Jose, maybe it's Trey Murphy or or, or someone like that. Yeah, I, I do think to Robert's point, if the Clippers go small with Valanchunas on the court, he's going to eat them alive on the offensive glass. Uh, the Pelicans are one of the better offensive rebounding teams in the NBA. The Clippers are one of the worst defensive rebounding teams in the NBA. And Zubats is really the, I mean, he's the bellwether. Like they're an average defensive rebounding team when he's on the court. He's by far their best defensive rebounder. And they have not found very many combinations uh, with him off the court that are even acceptable on the defensive glass. And it really, what I think one thing that it shows that I've been thinking about compared to last playoffs for the Clippers, when they were going to all these small looks, it was almost like it was Ty Lue's game breaker, which is why we see him late in games in high pressure games, go small, quicker, more often, longer shifts, but it's a lot easier to do when you have Kawhi Leonard on the court. Cause Kawhi Leonard just happens to be a God at everything. So like Marcus Morris and Nico Batum, neither of these guys rebound. In this game against the Wolves, Morris had zero rebounds in 30 minutes. So one of the things that concerns me about, you know, Morris playing against the younger, more athletic forwards that kind of staff the Pelicans wings is, is he going to put a body on these guys? Because uh, there are certain areas of his game where he definitely is a player who has a lot of pride, but defensive rebounding is not something that he seems to take much pride in. And it, it really has hurt the Clippers at times. So, that's an area that I'm concerned in, especially if he ends up with Hayes at times. I think Hayes' activity and length and size can just, I mean, could overwhelm him even if he was in good position, which he never is. So from a Clippers perspective, I'm that's one thing I'm really worried about is the defensive glass. Uh, we're going to go wait for our first quick break. We'll come right back, pick up the conversation while we're leaving it off. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. 
back here on the Law of the Jam, the podcast. So Mason, you mentioned Larry Nance, who has kind of been a late addition for this team. They got him at the deadline. I was actually under the impression, I don't know if this was a false impression or, or things changed, that he wasn't expected to play this year. Uh, and then a couple of weeks left in the season, he comes back, he gets nine games under his belt. What, what has his contribution been? And how is, is sort of the chemistry clicking with him? Like, cause to me on paper, I mean, Larry Nance is really good. I really like him, but maybe he's the kind of guy where he just hasn't had enough reps. Like what's, what's the vibe there? Yeah, I mean, I think they're they were bringing him back slowly as to start. He had a couple of real real nice games, particularly defensively, coming you know coming to the weak side, getting some some block shots. Um, and I think he's he he just plays he plays smart. And I think the Pelicans, I, I would not be shocked to see him get more minutes than Jackson Hayes in this matchup, um, especially um, you know it, it, depending on how the game starts um, with, with with Jackson. And, and and you know I think there it's a wash when you talk about floor spacing between Nance and, and Jackson, they can both knock down a three from the corner, but it's not their strong suit. So that, I mean, the, the fact they just need to be willing to shoot that if, if it comes their way. Um, but, but I mean, I, I think it's a, he, he's a hand and glove fit for this team as like a third big. Um, and, and so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him minutes with him at the five, maybe more so than typical game. You, you would see that I think with him off the bench in a lot of cases, um, the Pelicans in the regular season will go to Billy Hernan Gomez a decent amount, but that's obviously not really in play in a game of this magnitude, I don't think. Um, so I, I'm, I'm fully expecting Larry Nance to get some backup five minutes. And I, I, in a game like this against the Clippers, I think Willie Green's seen enough to know that probably he's we, you, you won't see him next to Jonas. I don't, I don't think that makes a lot of sense, but um, maybe him next to Jackson in spurts. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think Larry can be a, a, you know, a key factor in this game, especially if, if, if Jackson uh, isn't, is, is the Jackson lineup isn't clicking early. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I, cause I did just say that I really like Larry Nance and that's true. I, I do think he's really good, but I, I do feel like of the Pelicans three bigs, he's the guy, if he's the only big on the court, I think that's the one that like, that's the lineup that the Clippers can sort of get away with most easily going small because he's just the least physically imposing of those three. Uh, and so while he is very good, he allows them to switch on defense, which is super valuable. That's the lineup, Rob, where I think you can say like, yeah, if Larry Nance is in at center and there's no other big Marcus Morris, Nico Batum, Robert Covington can play center on the Clippers side and, and they can feel okay. Well, I mean, the thing is those guys, I think can all play center, uh, maybe not Marcus Morris in the right lineups, but they need other size with them. That's something we've discussed all year, which is, one of those guys by themselves is just not enough. You can't go to the four guard lineup with, with, you know, that's why they lost on on Tuesday. Yeah. And it it was one of the lineups, maybe the lineup that kind of sunk, sunk their chances against the Timberwolves. They just don't have enough rebounding. Like Morris and Batum are not good rebounders and at least they're big and offer some size, but like Reggie Jackson, Norm Powell, um, these are smaller guys that also aren't good rebounders. Um, so I think if you do go small, you have to make sure that at least two of those three forwards are on the court. Um, and I would prefer those to be Robert Covington and Nick Batum, but um, either one of those with Morris probably works okay as well against Nance. Again, I, I don't really like that against Valanciunas. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I think Nance, even though he's good, I like Larry Nance a ton. I think going with him a lot could be in the Clippers favor. We'll see. Um, I, I kind of do worry a little bit more about the Pelicans going small as well, because I really like some of the, the small ball guys they have. Um, Alvarado is really, really good. Um, and I think he could cause nightmares for Clippers ball handlers if he plays. Um, and I, I think the Pelicans going bigger um, is, is probably to the Clippers benefit, even if it does maybe cost them a little bit on the on the offensive glass. So um, I, I like Larry Nance. I think he's good. And if he plays over Hayes, I, I think he's a better player than Jackson Hayes. But um, I, I, I don't think that Valanciunas will sit for, for too long in this game. I imagine him, McCollum and Ingram are all going to play very heavy minutes, barring like foul trouble. Like if, if, if you were to build the rotation from scratch and, and ignore any sort of continuity, I could make a, I think I could make a decent argument to start Larry Nance alongside um, Jonas yeah. and then make Jackson Hayes your small ball five off the bench. I, th- I think that could be, yeah, that could, the, the question is, can Larry Nance stay in front of whoever, whoever is, you know, he's guarding or, or, you know, I, I think that would be a little sticky, but I, I don't expect the Pelicans to, to rock the boat here. And I think they'll start the same starting five. And the question again, comes down to how fast is Willie willing to kind of make pull the trigger on it 
on Jackson if, if it's not working because yeah. that's the, that's the, that's what they, that's what the Clippers beat them up. They got out the fast starts <laughs> yeah. and that, that can't happen. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's one thing where the Clippers Rob, Rob mentioned this, like small, the Clippers have learned, right. That small at center can work, but you can't be small at center and at power forward and at small mm-hmm. forward. So like they went to this lineup in the fourth quarter of that game against the Timberwolves, Reggie Jackson, Norman Powell, Terrence Mann, Paul George. And then first it was Nico Batum and then Marcus Morris subbed in for Nico Batum. And that lineup was in for a little over four minutes. And they went, they went from up seven to minus five in those four minutes. And then they, they never were able to get, uh, you know, get kind of right back into the game because the Wolves hit some timely shots. So from the Clippers perspective, one of the weaknesses again, of not like, of course it's better to have Kawhi Leonard is that, Covington, Morris, and Batum are all very good shot makers. They can play from the corners, but none of them are really like short role playmakers. And so when you put a lot of these guys out at the same time, I wouldn't really be worried about any of the three of those guys beating anybody off the dribble ever, right? Um, They can all make a corner shot. Like I wouldn't leave any of them open in the corners, but in terms of taking this matchup against a bigger, slower guy, that's just not in, not their sort of play style to not one drive of them past. taking Larry Nance off the dribble. Yeah. None of them were taking Larry Nance off the dribble. That's what, I, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. So, which is, yeah, that's exactly why. I mean, I think I would, I would, in this game, I would prefer start Nance, bring Jax off the bench. I don't think it's going to happen. And maybe, maybe Willie structures a rotation such that they close with something like that. Like they close the second, I, I would like if they close the second quarter with Nance alongside Jonas, um, that, that could be interesting, but I, I, I think, you know, uh, to Robert's point, I mean, I, I, I'd be, I would, I more expect the Pelicans to go small on this one with, um, and then that's, you know, that I, 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 you know, when you guys were talking about this, I kind of thought back to the pre CJ days and that, that was the value of Josh Hart. Josh Hart was a six, five, you know, wing, but he's arguably the best defensive rebounder at, a, at the guard position in the entire league. And so that was a something he could, co- he could really cover up for, um, for other, um, you know, uh, weaknesses for other players in that regard. So without him, if you, if Jonas is off the floor, the Pelicans got the team rebound and, and that's going to be, but, but, you know, to your point as well, the, the, the Clippers are, it's not exactly the Clippers strength too. Yeah. The Clippers are a terrible rebounding team. They're God awful. Uh, <laughs> Rob Mason mentioned, you know, kind of, if you could throw continuity, if you could throw concerns about continuity out the window, that Larry Nance would probably be the guy in this game, the Clippers maybe more than any team, ever in a postseason setting have this problem where, okay, you got Paul George. Yeah. He was out for a few months, but he's Paul George. He was the star on the Western conference finals run last year. I think you could make a case if you were just playing NBA 2k and these were not human beings, but just little basketball robots that building a rotation from scratch, the number two and number three guys that you would want to max out minutes for are Norman Powell and Robert Covington. Uh, And these are both guys who have had, a lot of limited reps with the Clippers. They uh, Norm has barely played with the Clippers at all. Uh, Rocco a little bit more, but still only since the deadline and has missed some time in that missed like nine games, I want to say, and has barely played with Paul George. These combinations just don't have a lot of minutes on the court together. How do you think Ty Lu balances that in an, it is an elimination game. I think he'll probably play Norm a little bit more in this one. I, I'm skeptical about Rocco. I, I don't know if they see something differently than we have, but Rocco has not really played heavy minutes in any games that he's been a clipper outside of the ones where uh, they've had health issues ahead of them. I don't know if they just trust Marcus Morris more, if they see stuff in practice, if they maybe just don't trust his shot in, in key moments. Um, I don't think he's, I don't think Rocco is going to get bigger minutes. I would play him probably like 35, but I, I don't think he'll get more than 20. Probably. Um, Norm Powell is a different story. I do think that in this situation, you know, that's who they made the trade for. I mean, Robert Covington yeah. was a nice throw in. I think they were, they were happy to get him for what they gave up. Um, and, and have been very probably pleasantly surprised with how well he's played, but that trade was for Norman Powell. And I think in like a do or die game seven, like they also maybe just, you know, Norm Powell has been in the NBA for a while. He's on a championship team. They might want to see how he plays in this kind of situation, not as like a bench player for the Raptors. who was you know, playing what, like 15 minutes a game or whatever, but like as the number two option, like, Hey, Norm Powell, go out in this game. Let's see what you can do. I think he'll probably play more than he did against the Timberwolves, but Rocco, 
if anything, if Luke Kennard is playing, his minutes might go down. Cause I don't know. I don't know where Luke Kennard is getting minutes from, even if he does play, unless it's from Hartenstein and they'd only play one center. So um, that's my, I guess the short answer is Norm's minutes probably up. Rocco's about the same or down despite how much I'd want it to. Um, but I, I really have no idea. I think the guy whose minutes might go up as well as Terrence Mann, um, because I think he is probably the best CJ McCollum option. It's between him or Paul George. Um, he's also a guy who's maybe a little small for Brandon Ingram, but I think can be serviceable there. Um, so I, and he played really well against the Timberwolves. I think probably Terrence Mann, and he's also a guy who the, the coaching staff trusts. He's been on the team for a while. Um, I guess is his minutes will probably go up maybe more so than Rocco's. Yeah, it was, it was Andrew Greif of the LA times who was talking with Norm, uh, when Norm was looking at the box score after that Minnesota game and Norm kind of made a comment, Norm only took nine shots uh, and he wasn't complaining that he only got nine shots. He was saying, I need to produce more offense in the minutes that I'm on the court. I think he had 14 points in the first half, only two in the second half. I don't think his conditioning is there yet to be, you know, the 36 minutes. Like if he, if he had a full run up from the deadline, if he hadn't broken his foot, he probably would have started every game between now and then and be playing 40 minutes in this game. Now I, I think he almost, you know, I think he was overplayed in that Minnesota game. And I don't blame Ty for that. Cause I probably would have made the same mistake, but his conditioning down the stretch was not there. And it, it really showed defensively. Yeah. And it's, it's just really hard. It's really hard. I, Ty Lu I think has a very unenviable job trying to balance flawed players who have carried you to 500 against all odds with returning players who are really important to the organization long-term who haven't had a chance to gel with everyone yet. I mean, it, it is a uniquely challenging situation. Uh, and I, I think people are maybe being a little too critical of Ty, like, like it, he's been dealt an impossible hand to try to balance Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris with Norman Powell and uh, Robert Covington. We're going to go away to another quick break. And when we come back, talk a little bit more about something that uh, binds these two teams together. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Back here on the Lob Jam, the podcast. So we talked about these big trade deadline acquisitions from the Portland Trailblazers. The Blazers fans have, have a lot of internal conflict watching this game, I think. Uh, and also with regards to the injuries to Powell and to Nance, these kind of reintegration questions that coaches have to deal with when important players, talented players, players who are clearly some of your best players don't have a lot of reps with your team at all ever because they've been injured since being traded to you. Something else that these teams have in common is the absence of a superstar forward 
looming over them all year uh, vaguely. Now, Mason, this is not a this is not a Zion Williamson podcast, uh, but I mean, how does the Zion thing affect this team? Like, is it something that is sort of I mean, he's back on the bench now. But is it kind of out of sight, out of mind? He hasn't played all year. We are who we are. I mean, it just has to be so psychologically weird to be dealing with this. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, the team is what the team is, right? Um, I, I don't I don't think that's something that's really impacting the, the players on a day-to-day basis. I mean, this, I would, <laughs> when uh, Shemit and I were recording in the know earlier today, I mean, we were talking, we kept raving about the culture that, Willie Green has created in New Orleans. Like it's the antithesis of what happened last year with Stan Van Gundy. I mean, it's the, the players all clearly just love each other. They love, they love playing together. Um, and I would say that before it was kind of hyperbolic, but I think right this year is just, it's different. I, I don't know. It's, and, 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 and so I, I think um, Zion, I, I, I just looking at body, reading body language, it's clear that, you know, he sees what's going on here. Um, you know, does, does that mean that, you know, New Orleans is forever home? I'm not saying that, but, but, but I think that, um, as far as the players on the court, I don't think the Zion piece is really impacting them at all. Um, beyond just saying, you know, we'd be a better team with Zion on the floor. I don't think that's rocket science, but, um, I I think this team has really just gelled together over the course of the season. And and part of that season, Zion was in Portland, uh, you know, rehabbing. And and so the teams just learned to play together. And, um, I I don't think it's a, you know, a big, that big of a deal, that you know zion zion's around one way or the other have, have they said for sure like he's not i know he's not playing in this game but if they were to move on is there like a door that's ajar or are they like it's done there was a really confusing report during the game yesterday <laughs> um about how the pelicans are have pretty much you know the believe they, they pretty strongly believe that he's done but at the same time they haven't ruled him out for the season so i, I mean I don't know if, if the Suns series goes seven games, cause I don't get back out there. I, I feel like maybe that's, that's possible, but I also it's the Suns. It probably, this, the series probably goes five games, right? So <laughs> at most. So um, I, I think it'd be foolish to expect that he'll be back to that series, but you know, I don't, the Pelicans are clearly, whether it's just messaging to Zion's camp or, or, or being serious, it, it, they're not completely shutting the door on it. Yeah. I mean, they've been doing the same thing with Kawhi, but it's like, at what, at what point are you like, if he can't play coming off a torn ACL nine months ago in this game, why is he going to be able to play on Sunday? And if he can't play on Sunday, why would he be able to play on Tuesday? And like, yeah. then is he going to play in game five? If you're down three, one, I, and is he even going to be good? <laughs> you know, like yeah. takes guys time to come back uh, to yeah. shake off the rest. So it's a tricky thing. I think it's, it's impacted this Clipper season too, but almost maybe like a, a light at the end of the tunnel for much of the year. Like, if we can just stay 500 and, and get these guys back, right, uh, has has sort of kept it going. And now you wonder if some of these guys, Reggie Jackson really in particular, is just burned out from the load that he's had to carry. R- Rob, the Reggie Jackson question for me is the most challenging one. Because Mar- I'll say Marcus Morris, I'm really comfortable just benching. <laughs> um, but Reggie has been, he is the soul of this team. You can't bench Reggie. I, you can't bench him. But is there is there any, like, Maybe he should be playing 32 instead of 42 because I just think he is physically like shredded. Like he is sure. so I mean, that, worn down. 32 is plenty. I mean, 32, 32 is, is a plenty. He played, I think, 41. That's on insane. Tuesday. He was so tired. I mean, Pat Beverly was locking in and he was in his zone the entire I mean, Pat Beverly was, people will talk about the culture and the yelling and everything. I mean, he was incredible in that game. Um, and especially in the second half on both ends of the court. Um, but like Reggie was exhausted. We've seen this coming for weeks. He has his conditioning has never really been the best, um, I would say. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, I think playing him 32 instead of 42 is not like anything to do with him. It's really just also smart management. The only guy who I want in this game playing over 40 minutes for the Clippers is Paul George. And even that, like, I do I want Paul George playing 42? Like, no, but I get it. Like, it's it's so hard to take Paul George out of the game. Like, I, I understand. Yeah. And immediately um, at the end of that first quarter on Tuesday, when he came out for two minutes, it was like, wait, what are we doing on literally every possession? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I'm fine with him playing like 42, but yeah, Reggie just should not play that much. I he's, he's very good. He's the heart and soul of the team. He's the only true point guard on the roster, which is still kind of crazy to think um, unless you count Xavier moon, who is not eligible anyway. Um, 
but yeah, like, I mean, I think 32, 34 instead of 40 would, would help him really like give him longer yeah. rests play. You know, that's where you roll out. Maybe like a man norm PG Rocco and, and Nico or, or Morris, like that has plenty of ball handling. It has plenty of shooting. Like you don't need Reggie Jackson now that you have Norm Powell and, and Paul George back. Like I think he will still close unless he's horrendous. I think he will still play a lot of minutes, but I think limiting his minutes is, is, is probably a smart thing. And, and kind of to what you were saying earlier, that's where I can see 10 or 12 minutes for Luke Kennard sure. to come join some of these second unit lineups, or maybe even a, a starting unit lineup. Like, uh, you know, if you have like a Luke Norm PG, Nico Zoo lineup that uh, Luke can can be a floor spacer and kind of bring some of these off ball actions to open up a little more space for Paul George to go to work. But yeah, it's just it's so hard. I'm trying to balance the guys who have earned it with the guys who are maybe better, but are they actually better if they aren't meshing with the team? I mean, I just like can't even wrap my head around the decisions that Tyloo has to make in terms of minutes management right now. Well, I think the, the issue for me was not necessarily in terms of, of minutes against the Timberwolves. It was just like the, the overall defensive strategy. I mean, keeping the switching one through four when Anthony Edwards is, is waltzing to the rim against Marcus Morris. Like you, you just can't keep doing that. You can leave Marcus Morris out there, but switch up your defensive coverages, either fight to prevent switches. Just don't switch at all. Maybe, um, you know, bring double teams on Anthony Edwards, especially with Carl Anthony towns out of the game. I, they just, I, I didn't understand what they were doing on defense. And I think the same will be because Morris, cannot guard Brandon Ingram or CJ McCollum one-on-one. And I think if he's on the court and the Clippers are switching easily, they are going to hunt that matchup, especially yeah. with McCollum, but like, cause he's quicker than, than Ingram, but like Marcus Morris cannot stick with Brandon Ingram. And like, I just, I'm very curious to see if they will not switch as much against the team, especially with Valanchunas as well. They have, you have three guys who you can't necessarily switch easily against. Um, so I'm curious to see what Tyloo does on defense. Cause I thought that more than the rotations, um, was was kind of what cost them in the fourth quarter, not even going into their offense. And I, I do hope that they they run more actions to target TJ McCollum and really make him work on defense as well um, as, as trying to slow him on offense. The, the Clippers have loved bullying CJ McCollum for years. Like they have, I, Mason, Mason, I know your time with CJ has been short. The Clippers have relished bullying CJ McCollum on defense for for literal years like going back to doc rivers years they just love they just love picking on him this is why the clippers always beat the blazers too it's funny when when the pelicans traded for cj i i think i even made a joke like oh great we can finally beat them now and then we played you guys one time after that we won by 20 but it you know it is they just i don't know why they just really like uh especially when it was damon cj was like switch post shoot over paul george never misses for some reason in those games but on flipping to the other defensive end of the court and to Paul George, who I'm sure is going to try to get those switches against CJ McCollum so he can get away from the army of six, eight. That is the rest of the Pelicans rotation. What do you think that Willie green might have up his sleeve for Paul George in this game? It's a, a great, great question. And Schmidt and I were going back and forth on this this afternoon uh, talking about what, what, what is Herb Jones's role? Because, and the, the, the obvious answer is, oh, put him on Paul George. However, if he gets in foul trouble, then you're in big trouble. So the, the, the question is, do you start him on Paul George or do you play it safe and kind of have him somewhere else? And if you get, if you get a, 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 you know, a fortuitous switch, great. But, uh, and, and then you, you try to make sure that his, this is, this is my perspective, is you make sure that he's not in foul trouble. And in the second half, you can more strategically deploy it and, and really you know, put him on, on Paul George exclusively. Schmidt was of the opinion, put him on Paul George to start, just let him, let him go to work. And so, because um, to your point, I mean, the, the Clippers are going to try to get, you know, switched on to CJ or really anyone else but Herb. And, 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 and my thought was you, you start uh, Herb on, on Reggie Jackson, but then if the Clippers, the Clippers could just take Reggie out of the play, out of the, you know, out of the offense. And, and then Herb Jones kind of sitting around the way that the way that LeBron was kind of camped out in the corner in the fourth quarter of their game, they just had Herb Jones sitting there. I was like, all right, as good as Herb Jones is on defense, that's a trade-off I'm willing to take if LeBron's going to camp out in the corner all possession. But um, yeah, I, I am curious because I, because I think that, 
it's a risky play to, to throw him out there on Paul George to start the game because if he picks up two quick fouls or just even gets a bad whistle from a ref, I mean, you saw what happened last night with Brandon Ingram. I mean, his, his second foul was a total joke and it ended up costing him because he made a couple mistakes after that. And so, you know, he picked his third and fourth fouls were, were real fouls and they were not good, but because of the second foul they called, uh, you know, he had to sit, sit sometimes. So, it is, I mean, it's a game of chicken a little bit because even you can do the best job possible. But if you're if you're a rookie Herb Jones against Paul George, like a, a multi-time all-star, you it's a it's a risk, right? I mean, yeah. a, a rep blows a whistle at the wrong time, you're in trouble. And so um I am very curious to see if uh, which which path um Willie Green goes down. But um, you know, I you know, my my heart tells me to let him go uh go guard Paul George for for every single minute, but um I just don't know if that's the that's the safe move. If you if you were to start him, like you said, off of Paul, who would you put on Paul in the in that starting lineup? I think I think it would have to be Ingram, um, yeah. which is which is tough. But yeah, <laughs> so there's no good answer there. I mean, I mean, Brandon's long, but he's not going to be able to stay in front of uh, of Paul George, and so um, that that that's the other issue. Is like if you don't put Herb on him, what are you doing? Unless you're change, unless you're actually changing the starting lineup. Uh, so I, I think that's another case or another re- reason to, 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 you know, hope, hope for the best with, with Herb that he's not going to get, pick up a, a dumb foul. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're talking about Herbert Jones here, who's been fantastic for the Pelicans this season. I have him on my all defensive second team and my all rookie first team, maybe a guy that a lot of Clippers fans aren't super familiar with just because sort of an unheralded rookie, not a guy who snagged a lot of headlines. What has like happened? Go ahead and, and wax poetic for for a minute, just about how important he has been to this team. Yeah, it's it's been it's been wild. I mean, he's got he's as far as rookies, he's by far the the best on off differential of anyone who's played a meaningful amount of minutes. I mean, he's been one of the one of the best young players in the league in that regard. It's I mean, he's been arguably the Pelicans second most important player end to end behind Ingram. I mean, obviously, you know, CJ was, you know, trade deadline acquisition, but um, it's been, I mean, minutes with minutes with Brandon Ingram and Herb Jones with Garrett Temple off the floor, which was actually was a, the Pelicans biggest pet peeve in the first half of the season was, was Garrett Temple playing all these minutes, but now that's obviously not, not an issue anymore, but, but those minutes of Pelicans were just blasting people on both ends of the floor. Um, so it, Herb Jones, I mean, the combination of, not, it's not just on ball defense. He, he, he makes the right reads off ball. I mean, his, he's got, I mean, he's, what is it like uh 50 blocks and 70 or hundred steals, something like that. He's got some, some crazy combo for a rookie that's only been done a, a, a you know, a half dozen times in league history. Um, and, and, and he's also, I think, I think that um, once, once we got, once we realized how good he was defensively, I think the biggest surprise for everyone was that he's, he's not just a wasteland offensively either. I mean, he's, he's, he's making the right cuts his, his three-point shooting is not good, but it's but he's shooting 33, 34%, which is, you know, enough for a guy who pretty had pretty much no shot coming into the league. Even his free throw percentage, he's taking technical free throws. He's shooting like 80% from the line, which is something that, you know, Alabama fans would have told you was would have been crazy to them. So, um, you know, just the, the development he's had on the offensive end throughout the year in, in accordance with, um, you know, how, how damn good he's been defensively um, across. It, it's been, it, it, it was you know, the steal of draft, I think is pretty yeah. fair to say he was a 35th pick. And so, um, I mean, it, it's just great to see even like as recently as Mike Prada wrote a great column about him the, uh, a couple of days ago. And it's, I mean, people are taking notice and I was so happy to see him succeed the way he did against the Spurs on the big stage with everyone watching. Yeah, no, he has been, he has been a revelation, I think, not just for the Pelicans, but for the entire league. And he is definitely one of those uh, six, eight, two way, two, three, four guys that uh, is going to be uh, kind of this next wave of players coming up um, that is going to be a relevant wing in the NBA for a long time. We're going to go away for our last break. When we come back, close up shop with some closing thoughts and predictions right after this. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, 
as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Okay, Mason. So now uh, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Not on, not on the spot for real. We'll do on the spot for real in a moment. This is the mini on the spot. You mentioned Jackson Hayes maybe not being the move for the whole game for the Pelicans in this one. What do you think their best closing lineup is for this game? Let's say it's a tie game, five minutes left, no context about how the game has gone up until this point. Who are, who are the five guys that Willie Green is like, these are the five that are going to take us to Phoenix. Yeah, I think, you know, four of them. Uh, so I think, I think it's the four <laughs> that got you, got you there with, the, with CJ Ingram, Herb Jones, and Jonas, I, I, you could put an X factor in there for Jonas, depending on the lineup, but let's just assume that Jonas is going to be on the floor, given um, how well he's played against the Clippers this year. The fifth, the fifth spot is really interesting. Um, and I think if, if I had to pick, I'm going Trey Murphy, and I, which is wild to say, because he wasn't even in the rotation until after the All-Star Rec, really. He got spot minutes and that's it. But he, he's, he had the best three-point percentage uh, among rookies with at least, I think like a hundred attempts, something. So not, not that high of a bar given he didn't play a ton of minutes, but he, he, he's, he's active on the glass and, and, and he didn't have a, a I don't get a ton of rebounds uh, against the Spurs last night, but he, he, he was, he gave the effort. He made things difficult for the, for the Spurs, which is going to be important against the team like the Clippers that doesn't rebound that well. I think his activity is going to be, is going to matter. And he, he just, he'll space the floor for you. And I, I think that also, that's one of those things that you can't, you can't ignore him in the corner or you're going to get burned. And so if he can continue to, you know, be respectable defensively, not, not good, but respectable, which I feel like he, he, he has been since he's been uh, getting, getting, getting consistent minutes. I think he might make the most sense to the Pelicans at, at that four spot, especially if you've got Jonas the five who can handle a lot of the rebounding responsibilities and clear out space. Um, but we'll see. It could be Jose. I mean, I mean, it really depends on, like you said, lineups are going to be important here. How small do the Clippers go? It's, it'll be, it'll be interesting, but I would not be surprised to see that at least one of the two halves you're closing with the starting lineup minus Jackson plus Trey. Yeah. It's interesting because I think if the Clippers go with Reggie and Norm together, it does open the door for the Pelicans to play Jose and CJ together, but it also opens the door for Pelicans to stay big at shooting guard and take advantage of that size advantage that, that they would have in that position. And then if the Clippers go small, do they do it successfully enough to force Valanciunas off or not? And to force you back, back on Rob, what do you think? Same question, this game, who are the five uh, down the stretch elimination game for Ty Lue? Is this what Ty Lue would do or what I would do? Why don't you give us both and explain the differences? <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, I, I think you have to the same way Mason did. I think you have to kind of build backwards. Um, I do think if, if Jonas is on the court, I think you probably do have to keep zoo out there. I think so too. Um, so it's, it's probably, it has to be Paul George. It has to be Evita Zubats. I think it, it does have to be Reggie Jackson. Like I, I know Clippers fans might complain. I don't see any way Tyloo or really me would, would bench Reggie Jackson unless it's just absolutely uh, unplayably bad and you can't um, you can't bench a guy who's been the starter for a year and a half and has made multiple game winners has had nine yeah. 20 plus point playoff games last year like you, you just don't go even, reggie jackson has been the type of guy over his tenure with the clippers where even if he's two of 13 going into the fourth quarter 
he might go six of seven in the fourth quarter and, and lift you to the win. Like it sounds like a just, better version of Devonte Graham's the, the Devon, Devonte Graham yes. dilemma for the Pelicans. Well, he's just better than Devonte Graham, which yeah. is part of it. Yeah. Well, right. But at the same time, that's, that's actually what I'm a little bit low key worried about with this game is that if, 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 you know, if Tyloo goes to some lineup with Reggie Jackson, Norm Powell, does that like embolden Willie Green to say, okay, this is a good time to get Devonte Graham in the game. Even when I think most Pelican fans would acknowledge this is not a Devonte Graham game. Like he shouldn't, he probably shouldn't play at all, but it's hard, especially as a rookie head coach. It's, it's hard to make that call with somebody who is starting games for you in the season. It isn't like, isn't a bad player. He just kind of hit a rough stretch, but he's small. And if he's not scoring, it's, that's it, not a really a role for him, especially now that CJ's on the team. So uh, something I'm, I am, I have my eye on, but, but Willie did pull him after seven minutes last night and didn't put him back in. So he's, he's capable of doing it. Yeah, it's you mentioned Jose and CJ potentially playing together as the Clippers go to guard. I'd love it if Devonte Graham got <laughs> was in the game for it would be it would embolden it would encourage Tyloo to play even to stay small at shooting guard because it just they'll attack him. They did a yeah. last game. Yeah. All right, Rob. Rob, spotlight back on you. Oh yes. Yeah. So Reggie PG Zoo, I think would be the same with me and Tyloo. Uh, the difference is, I think Tyloo will close with Marcus Morris. I see no reason to believe he will not do that. Um, which leaves one spot. Um, and I think he will go with Norm Powell. Um, I, I I would like to think it's Nick Batum. It might depend how Norm Powell is shooting. But I, I do think the organization has a lot riding on Norm Powell, and I think they will probably want to see him close this game out. So I think it'll be, for, for Ty Lue, I think it would be Reggie, Norm, PG, um, Morris, and, and Zubots. Um, mine would be quite different. Well, not quite different. It's three of the same. It's Reggie, PG, and Zoo. But I would go with uh, Terrence Mann and Nick Batum um, to round out, round out. So Reggie, Terrence, PG, Nico, and Zoo. Um, I, I, yeah. I mean, I do think that in terms of just just the lineup that Tyloo will go to, he's going to play Marcus. He's going to play Reggie because those guys are they're just entrenched. Uh, and then whether that last spot is maybe Norman Powell, maybe Nico Batum, um, maybe Terrence Mann. If Terrence Mann is doing the best on CJ McCollum, like he may feel like he has to close with Terrence Mann. I do think Terrence Mann is the Clippers best option on CJ McCollum, but it's difficult. It's the Clippers have like, they're in this situation, you know, you, you mentioned Mason, there's like almost four locks for a closing lineup from the Pelicans perspective, from the Clippers perspective. Uh, now Reggie may be a lock, but he's more of like a, lock because he's locked and like obviously one of their four best players it's really Paul George and then it's like man which of these other 11 guys might help us the most tonight they're all up and down uh it's really difficult I think the Zubats thing will I think they will like kind of test out Valanchunas early in the game against not early but throughout the game with Zubats off the court to see if they can get away with it late uh and if they can I think then we maybe see like a Reggie Norm, PG, Nico Marcus. Uh, if not, I think we see definitely Reggie, PG, Marcus, and Zoo. And then could be Nico, could be Terrence, could be Norm at the other spot. Just depends. Uh, it also depends. Like Norman Powell got tired in the last game. If he's hit 26 minutes and there's six minutes left in the game and he's not giving you anything, they might pull him because he's he's kind of stopped producing. And he stopped producing when he got tired in that Minnesota game. Uh, Mason, before we get into predictions, I'd want to touch on one thing that I know uh, we can Pelicans fans and Clippers fans can agree on, which is the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> Let's go. Now I really, uh, at the end there, I actually wanted the Lakers to make it to the play in tournament because I wanted Anthony Davis to have to lose an elimination game in new Orleans. Do you guys feel like maybe you, you missed out on like, the most cathartic moment in the history of sports. The only reason I'm saying no is because of the draft pick uh, situation. Um, but otherwise, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that would have been a lot of fun, but, but I'm much more, I'm much happier with how it turned out just because the Pelicans are get like most likely getting either the eighth or the ninth pick in the draft from the Lakers. And there's a, like a one in four chance they got a top four pick. So I'll take that. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty good deal as it turns out. Um, <laughs> I mean, what, what a turnaround for the yeah. Pelicans, like, you know, it kind of seemed like they were, you know, who knows? And then you, Zion comes, you, you draft Zion. It's like, okay, Zion is Zion. Right. And then Zion, you know, 
I don't, the word decides is maybe a loaded word, but it, it so happens that Zion is not playing basketball for the Pelicans and hasn't for quite some time. You think, man, this franchise is kind of stuck, can't catch a break. Uh, and then this year it like worked. It just worked. They were good after Thanksgiving. They were not good before Thanksgiving. They were good after Thanksgiving. And uh, I don't know what, do you want to, do you want to do some grave dancing or, well, it's it it's what a twelve month turnaround I think because you, you the trade was uh, you know obviously the the picks and even twelve months ago you you look at the the fourth pick the Pelicans got from the Lakers that they flipped and turned into Jackson Hayes and Nikhil Alexander Walker and that wasn't even looking good Lonzo Ball looking like he was gonna wherever he was gonna go he was gonna Pelicans weren't gonna keep him because they didn't want to pay whatever he was gonna the command Josh Hart was fine. And, and then in, you know, the one piece I got was Ingram's great. Ingram's an all-star, that which was awesome. And then you, you know, in a, in a span of a couple of months, like Josh Hart this season became just the, the improvement in his play was incredible. And they were able to turn him and the salary flot Sam they got in a sign and trade for Lonzo Ball into CJ McCollum. And so, and now you, on top of that, you put the top 10 pick they're getting. Um, which is even more crucial because if it wasn't top 10, it was going to the Grizzlies in the Jonas trade. So things are, things are really uh, all, all coming up nicely for the Pelicans over the last couple of months as it, as it relates to specifically the, the trade they made with the Lakers, a lot of, a lot of good returns. Yeah. It's almost like they could even just like kind of let this one go and it's still been a great year for them. You know, yeah. <laughs> maybe it, like, maybe they just, you know, quit while you're ahead. Well, it, so <laughs> it's funny you say that because in the long term that is slightly better for the Pelicans from a draft pick owed perspective, because if they win this game, then their pick goes to the, the Hornets and they still owe the Blazers a 2025 first from Milwaukee. That's top five protected. If they lose this game, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my head is spinning. <laughs> if they lose this game, their pick probably most likely goes to Portland. And then all they owe Charlotte is a couple of second round picks. So okay. it's, it's basically you're getting, you're, it's either you're, you're giving up, um two like a couple first or a first and two seconds and and so um and you know sure there's a chance that the, that the pelicans pick if they miss a playoff goes top four but that's like you know less than five percent so um so yeah there's a lot of weird implications here and you know and while the draft collateral will be slightly better for the pelicans if they actually did lose this game to the clippers i think i think they want to go go to the playoffs so uh let's let's play this one out if you don't mind yeah okay okay fine we can we can play the game i i think i mean but i do think both of these franchises are positioned to be uh, to kind of be satisfied with the seasons that they've had, even if they lose tonight. And I know the Clippers, it will be disappointing to anyone to get this far and not to make it. But from the Clippers perspective to have Paul George for what, what Rob, uh, how many games did he miss? 43 games. Uh, more than that. I more think than... he played in 30 something. He, he, I think yeah. he missed 50. Yeah. He played 31. He missed. 51. Yeah. So, so for Paul George to play 31 games and Kawhi Leonard to play zero and, to actually extend that streak of 11 of now 11 straight seasons with an above 500 record longest in the NBA, the Clippers have, I think a lot to be proud of this year. Um, even if they lose tonight, I know they want to win. And I think that they, with the veteran group they have and the way Ty Lue can manage a playoff series. Uh, I'm not going to say that they, uh, like their chances against Phoenix. I mean, Phoenix has been the juggernaut of the year this year, but I think the Clippers at the very least are like, yeah, come on, come and earn it. Come and earn it against us. You know, we'll make you earn it. Uh, and the Suns, the Suns are the better team if that uh, if that matchup ends up transpiring. It's really interesting to see how this this type of matchup with the experience levels on both teams will play out. CJ obviously gives the Pelicans a big uh, kind of postseason big game experience boost that the roster lacked previously. But the Clippers still kind of just up and down have these veterans that have that have played in these games. It didn't necessarily, it didn't, didn't win them like the game. The wolves. Yeah. It didn't win them the game against the wolves. Uh, I actually, one thing that was really interesting in that game, the Clippers ran out of timeouts because every time the wolves scored twice, got so crazy. Ty had to quiet them down ended up only having one timeout in the final four minutes. Couldn't use his challenge. This game in Los Angeles uh, is not going to be uh, a hostile environment for the Clippers in the same way. It probably won't be a hostile environment for the Pelicans in the same way either. Uh, but you know, home having the home crowd behind them should help the Clippers. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I think we're in for another doozy in the play-in tournament. Uh, now I'm going to put you guys on the spot for real. Rob, the Clippers are favored by four points in this game. You think they, they pull this one out and move on? 
I picked the Clippers against the Timberwolves, who are a better team than the Pelicans. I have uh, I have bad I have bad vibes going into this. Um, the Pelicans, I, I, team of destiny, is maybe taking a bit far because <laughs> neither of these teams is beating the Suns. I, I they've just kind of had kind of a, a miraculous season, maybe even more so than the Clippers. I actually think the Pelicans are going to win this one. Um, just by the matchups, I think the Clippers are, are probably the better team. I think they also match up pretty solidly with the Pelicans. I just kind of have a weird vibe about this. I actually thought the Clippers would beat the Timberwolves, even though I think the Timberwolves are also a better team than the, the Clippers. I just kind of had a good vibe going to it, and I really don't. I don't with this one. Um, it would not shock me either way. I think it's going to be a close game. Um, it's probably going to be very entertaining, but I'm for whatever reason, I'm leaning Pelicans, and I'd, I don't care too much. It would be great if they made the playoffs. I am not one of these Clippers fans who think they have a remote chance against the Suns. They are going to lose in at most six games, probably a sweep or five games. So I, it's it's whatever, but I think the Pelicans win. Mason, what's your call? Um, so I, when I when as soon as the, the game ended against the Spurs, I, I thought that spread would be Clips by two. So when I saw four, I, I, I would take the Pelicans plus four. Um, I, I've got this game as like, I, I think the Clippers should be slight favorites, um, but it's close to a coin flip. I've got to, I've got to be a homer. And and now that, now that Robert said uh, it's, we're a team of destiny, how can I not pick? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, Robert Flom has often been uh, praised for his inspiration, like inspiring, you know, quotes on the podcast. <laughs> well, um, it, I mean, in, in, I think the storylines uh, between a Pelican Sun series would be pretty cool with Monty Williams and Willie Green and Chris Paul. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot there that to, to, to connect the two franchises. Um, so that would be, I mean, even though like, you know, it'd be inevitable a loss in probably four or five, but um, you know, I, 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 I'll, I'll take the, I'll take the Pelicans in a really close one in this one. Yeah, I mean, I think the Clippers would have if if the Clippers had played a series against Minnesota. I don't think it like I think they would have won that series pretty easily. Um, and I think if they played a series against the Pelicans, I think they would win the series pretty easily. But that's not how it works. So there's not you know that it is what it is. It's a play-in tournament. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I think you know really what what I'm watching is that Clippers offense against Minnesota when Minnesota locked in. You could just tell this wasn't a team that has played enough hot, meaningful reps together. And, uh, they, you know, they were toasting teams near the end of the regular season, but teams that weren't playing like, you know, bad teams that were teams that were locked in the the Suns, third stringers, right? Like, yeah, they, the Clippers cooked on offense in a lot of meaningless games when it's locked in and the, and the pressure is dialed up from the Pelicans defense tonight. I don't know that the Clippers just have this sort of like trust and knowledge of each other in the way that you need to, to execute under pressure. Uh, And that's what really concerned me about the Minnesota game. It's what concerns me again tonight or tomorrow night, as it is with us recording on Thursday. And, you know, I, I, I do have to agree with Mason. I think it's, it's a coin flip. The Clippers can very, very easily win this game, especially if they make some threes and they are uh, as much as it's like, Oh, anyone can win a game. If they get out from three, the Clippers are a really great three point shooting team up and down the roster in the corners. So, so good. And if you make like 23s, it's really hard to, to win a game where the opponent makes 23s. But yeah, I think the vibes are a little off. I think the vibes are a little off for the Clippers just in terms of that comes down to the reps. Like if Norm Powell doesn't break his foot and plays 20 more games for the Clippers in the regular season, maybe, maybe I'm like, oh, this team knows each other better and I have more faith in them in a game like tonight. But uh, I think this is, I think the Pelicans do get into the playoffs this time. Um, but I think it will be a a tight and riveting and intense game. Um, but that opens up more doubt than the Clippers probably want there to be. I think the Clippers would hope that they could win this one a little more comfortably. And, and I just don't, I don't see it. Well, you're, I mean, your point about the three point shooting is very fair. I mean, that the, there's, the, it could certainly come to pass where the, the Clippers get hot from three, just like they did last time they played against New Orleans. And so, and where, and that, that would, the Pelicans are going to have a tough time with that one. They've been not a great three point shoot, three point shooting defense team. Um, the season. So, and I don't, I don't know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to close out really, really hard against this Clippers team. Yeah. And the Clippers, it wasn't, you know, they made a lot of threes in that Pelicans game, but even just down the stretch, like since Paul George came back, the Clippers made like 18 threes a game in the last seven games of the season. I think they had the number one offense in the NBA from when Paul George came back to the end of the season. But again, they played so many of those games against teams that weren't playing. Uh, and with the pressure dialed up, I don't know what they have to fall back on 
that teams that have more reps together can fall back on. All right, that's going to do it. Thank you, Mason, so much for taking the time and joining us. Once again, guys, at Mason Ginsburg on Twitter, Bourbon Street Shots in the No Pod. You heard him talking about uh, his conversation with Shamit earlier today. And you can go check that out at In the No Pod to get their perspective previewing this game. And as always, fingers crossed, maybe the last time this season, hopefully not. Go Clippers. Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.